Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here, of course, with the one and only Christopher T. Barty. Bardo, how are you, big man? I'm good, Pat. I'm a little tired. You looked a bit frightened about my enthusiasm there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's just after so many cups of coffee. I'm a little little frazzled. A little frazzled. Um, not hey. sure I can handle any more uh, intenseness uh, at the moment because it starts the World Cup, the Coupe de Monde, the Coupe de Monde, the Coupe de Monde um, has been uh, roller coaster ride. Hasn't it? Up and down, round and round. Um, it's been a merry-go-round, Chris. In some sense, it's been like an upside-down merry-go-round. There's been there's been scores, there's been results, things have been going up. <laughs> Down. I'm not sure where I'm going with this metaphor. Uh, I don't know. I was just trying to like get a visual of an upside down <laughs> merry-go-round. I can't see that going too well. No, it sounds like a anyone. recipe for disaster, doesn't it? Actually, in the I more mean, I think about you it, you want to have some pretty, you know, secure foothold. Oh, you would. There or very mm-hmm. strong adductors. Oh, you know, just really clamp onto the horse. <laughs> Maybe it could be a, a good exercise yeah. to really improve those adductors, to get them firing. That's right, yeah. Um, Start them young, you know? Mate, anyway. there's been a lot of wild scores, uh, especially from that the, the mercurial Pakistan side. Um, mm. The West Indies turned out to be an absolute bunch of legends, as you predicted. Uh, South Africa have been all over the shop. Mm. Mm. Absolutely anybody's guess. Um, yeah, Dale's- I think I'm... I think I'd, I said that. I don't know. I'd oh, like, come play on, it back. B-train. Play it back. Come um, on. I'm not sure on, you did. Um, but um, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's like South Africa and the World Cup are like two positively charged ions. Oh. They just, they just repel each other. You know, they're just not meant to... See, you know, Chris, people come to this show and they think that we're just two blokes talking nonsense in our underwear. But really, there's a lot more science going on here than people would like to expect, mm. you know? Well, they weren't expecting any. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think one more fact and then what they were expecting is 100% improvement. So, I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> yeah, well, there you That's go. some statistical so, analysis that Jai Singh yeah. could be proud of. Um, right. B-Train, people enjoyed our episode last week. Got a lot of good feedback about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shock and awe. I'm surprised as you are. Um, but people enjoyed a bit of Hold Up Hey. So I okay. think we're going to play okay. it again this week. Um, we might yeah. play it for the rest of the World Cup just as a fun game. Uh, we've How got was a- your mum, by the way? Oh, she's great. Yeah, she says hello. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> two for one, maybe, is what we should call it. Just uh, you and me yeah. talking nonsense just to say hello to my mum, Susie Cullen, um, right. who, as we all know, is, is a legend. But look, I've got a bulletin from TK. I've got a right. yarn from Christopher Goodrick, and I can't wait to mm. hear that. I haven't listened to that one yet, um, and I have no idea what he's going to say, but I can only imagine that it, there's some. he's pretty despondent, surely. Surely. Uh, it's been a bad time in South Africa. But, Chris, the exciting news is that we have um, bumper to bumper to bar, a new correspondent as part of the Two for None right. team, um, making his debut, coming out to the middle for New Zealand yep. is uh, Michael J. Wood. Uh, now, Michael Wood's a bloody great guy. He's a mate of mine. Um, I went to acting school with him here in Sydney, and he's a Kiwi passionate Black Caps fan. Um, you don't come across them very often. 
But my big question for you, Bardo, is um, nickname, right? Because uh, I was going to go for the stick, maybe even the big stick. Um, well, maybe maybe Stuck. Stuck. Michael the Stuckwood. Um, that's pretty stuck. funny. Yeah, well, uh, we can keep working on it. Let's workshop it. Let's workshop it. Let's workshop it. Let's <laughs> if we have anything really... I was Googling gods of nature um, to see if we could sure. do a nature god sort of thing. Um, uh, like the only thing that came up was Adonis, which I know Wood would like, but I, I'm just not sure that it's accurate. <laughs> That's um, a great name. It, Strong I, name. I always thought um, there was a guy that played in the uh, uh, Australian Basketball League, the NBL, in the early 90s, um, and his name was Adonis Jordan. Whoa. And I always thought that was the greatest name. So strong. So strong. So, you know, Adonis Jordan attacks the hoop. Okay, yeah, take it. I don't want it. It's all yours. Um, you know, he played for the Southeast Melbourne Magic, um, who are coming back, by the way. They might come back. So oh, they're really? Gonna be, they're going to be renamed the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Huh. Um, which I don't know. But, I, you know, it does continue on from the kind of magical theme. Um, so, you know, it's not bad. Maybe they bring back Adonis Jordan. That's what I, that's what I want them. Well, to. Chris, yeah. you know we all can bloody dream there, pal. Um, whether we call him the Adonis Wood, I just don't know that I can get around that. But maybe sure. we'll see how we go and get to the segment. Maybe it'll yeah. just come out of my face. Um, I'm stuck. The stock. Should we start? Let's start with some TK Hawkey, shall we? Um, mm. Let's run him up the flagpole in here. They've played two games, the Poms. Um, had a, a victory and a defeat. So it could be a little bit of everything from here from Tom. Hello there. Tom K. Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. I record this mere minutes after England's shock loss to Pakistan. Before I come to that, let me give you a super quick rundown of the opening game against South Africa. England batted well, despite losing wickets at regular intervals. This includes Bairstow nicking behind off the second ball of the tournament, a moment that felt comforting to England fans after all the pre-tournament big talk around this team. <laughs> <laughs> don't you love TK's ability to make something truly as diabolical like, oh, I don't know, a batsman getting out second ball somehow become a good thing? <laughs> a comforting thing at the very least? Well, uh, I mean, degree of familiarity there for English fans, isn't it? The, the, even in, in the dizzying heights that they find themselves at the moment, uh, they find comfort and misery. So <laughs> no shock there, really. I also need to make a quick correction. In the last episode, I managed to imply that England, that Tom was saying that England weren't favourites. He wasn't saying that at all. He was speaking about uniforms, and I absolutely cooked that. So I just want to take a quick second in this moment, in our first hold up, hey, to apologise to TK publicly and say that I, I cooked that one and I'm an idiot. Um, oh, I wouldn't apologise, Pat, after losing to Pakistan. You can hardly call them favourites anymore. <laughs> I was just predicting the future, eh, Chris? Just ahead of the ball game. Mm. Um, mm. Let, let's hear some more from Tom. I was impressed with the manner in which they regrouped with each lost wicket, and it showed an intelligence that's sometimes been lacking in the side. They've been guilty in recent years of going hard or going home, and all too often ending up with the latter. However, here they kept cool heads and posted a challenging, if not spectacular, 311. The bowling unit then stepped up and did a superb job of defending the total and in the end it was a fairly crushing victory that lived up to expectations. However, whilst the general performance of the team was strong, Ben Stokes had what I believe is known as a hell of a game. He top scored with 89, mopped <laughs> up the tail with 2-2 two and two, but will be remembered forever for taking what will easily be known as the catch of the tournament if not the year, if not the decade, if not 
you know what? Let's just say it was good. It's hard to describe in words, but he essentially jumped in a way that defied both physics and biology and clung on. Let's ignore the fact he was out of position and it would have been a routine boundary catch had he been standing where he should have been. <laughs> Hold up. Uh, well, I mean, look, Pat, where do you rank this catch all time? Are there any that you can you think are better? I mean, we always come back to McGrath, Warren, Boundary, don't we? Um, but I think maybe the Stokes one was actually better than that. Um, he was going back with a flight and leapt over his head and sort of caught it behind himself. I mean, uh, it's a pretty damn good catch, B-Train. Is there any that are coming to your brain? Uh, look, at oh, a spectacular catch. Um, I think someone, uh, maybe a little unnecessary. Um, but uh, uh, no, it was a heck of a catch. Uh, the one I, I like is uh, Adam Voges on the boundary, the T20 game uh, a few years ago. That was the original, um, I'm catching it, I'm catching it. I'm going out of bounds. I'm going out of bounds. I'm going to throw it to myself. I'm going to come back in bounds and I'm going to catch it again. Is that the one um, that he dived and caught on when he yeah, threw it back he, to himself? Yeah, he yeah. threw it back to himself and he kind of stumbled and then he and then he went to get it again. Um, for mine, that goes pretty close. Um, you think about Steve War running back towards the sideboard in the eighties. Uh, sorry, the side screen. Yep, the side um, screen catch. Yep, saw that one uh, this side, week. So, so um, you know, John Dyson in the outfield. There's a few. I, I think it's certainly up there. I, I you know, um, wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being catch at the tournament. And he's right. Stokes had a had a great game. There's no argument. No uh, argument there. So. He was quite incredible, really, wasn't he? Like the wickets that he took in that game, mm. um, the way that he batted, uh, especially down the order. I mean, it it showed. He showed what England can do in those conditions mm. um, under the right circumstances. You know, he's, he's a very... He's an incredible player, Ben Stokes, you know, well, really. You wonder what kind of difference he would have made uh, in the Ashes series just just gone in Australia, the one previous, where they were just kind of limp, really. Yeah. Um, I think... if I, I, I could be wrong, but I think the, the title of his autobiography is Fire Starter. <laughs> uh, I'm a fire starter. Um, um, so, R.I.P. the the, yeah. uh, the bloke from the Prodigy there. Uh, well, and he lived up to the name of the catch, didn't he? I mean, it was a heck of a way to start the tournament. We will absolutely pay that, B-Train. We will absolutely pay that. Let's, uh, let's hear some more from the TK here. And then came today's game against Pakistan. Batting second, England chalked up the first two tons of the tournament through Root and Butler. But it wasn't enough to chase down what would have been a World Cup record of 3-4-9. However... When Butler departed and left England on 288 for six and needing 61 off 33 balls, there was still a general feeling that the game was on a knife edge and that England could still chase the runs down. Such is the nature of this destructive lineup. Sadly for England, the tail never wagged and Pakistan continued to apply the chokehold and their bowlers saw them home to a 14-run victory. In reality, this game was lost in the field. England dropped catches and let runs slip through their fingers. It was uncharacteristic of them and hopefully represents a temporary blip on the radar. If they were a well-oiled machine against South Africa, here they were a machine that had recently discovered alcohol and was testing it out for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, um, <laughs> no, I think the England cricket team's had a few drinks before, but uh, maybe not before the game. But um, uh, it's a valid point he makes. I mean, um, one of the terms I've learnt recently listening to more English commentary is, is um, buzzers. Have you heard that? No. Uh, so every time it's uh, there's an overthrow that goes to four, it's it's buzzers. Um, so uh, I've heard a lot more of that. And um, there were a couple of overthrows there were against a couple, Pakistan. A couple too. of overthrows, uh, cheap runs given away. Um, I there's a couple of instances where, um, particularly the fielders taking a shot at the stumps, and there weren't where there weren't guys backing up. So it yeah, was a little yeah. bit sloppy in that respect. Um, a couple of balls that went for four or two through two or three fielders um, mm. where blokes were sort of just diving over the top of it in a comical Sydney Harbour Bridge sort of fashion. Mm. So they want to fix that up pretty quick smart because they did leave themselves. I mean, look, as much as we talk about the, uh, you know, the fact that uh, Trent Bridge is a ground that can be... Uh, did they play Trent Bridge? I forget. Maybe that was the other game. Um, but um, the English grounds in general are, are easier to score on at the moment. Um, uh, I think, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't want to be leaving themselves to 350 to chase too often because there's a reason why that was a, that was a world record chase. Um, You're right about Trent the, Bridge, by the way, Bardo. It was absolutely it Trent Bridge against the uh, Pakistan Was Trent Bridge, yeah. Well, Trent Bridge is a kind of a weird shape, shaped ground Very to begin strange. with. Um, and uh, it, it does leave itself open to, to big scores. As I said, you wouldn't want to be chasing 350 too often regardless. Um, but hats off to Pakistan, I, I, I think. I, I think oh, that's the mate. other point that we need to make here because, um, you know, they've, I think they've lost, they lost 11 in a row prior to that game and, yeah. and you had um, Pakistani legends coming out in uh, you know, social media, show of actor, you know, posting various things, telling them to pull their finger out and to play for the country and all that sort of thing and um, people having a red hot crack at Pakistan left right and center so um, uh, for them to stand up in that manner was uh, was really great for the tournament I think because um, uh, it, it showed what an even contest it is and how it can be anyone's on, on any given day oh mate it what threw the thing whole the whole thing wide open and do you know whose back it was on on the Pakistan side of things in the bowling attack that man Wahab Riaz bowling mm. heat Bowling bounces. He went for a lot of runs. He got three for eighty-two off ten. He was going for eight point two and over. But um, he took he took key wickets. You know, he took key wickets and restricted them. Um, and the same goes for you know Shadab Khan and Muhammad Amir, Hassan Ali even bowled pretty well um, with a really tight economy rate. Muhammad Afiz uh, got one for forty-three off seven. So you know their bowling attack really came to the party. Um, and you just, this is the thing about Pakistan. And you and I have said this on this podcast so many times before, but they are so bloody mercurial. You just don't know who's going to turn up. And the difference yeah. between their two games was just massive. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, uh, enigmatic, I think, is, is a perfect word to describe Pakistan. You just don't know what you're going to get on the day. Um, but some absolutely outstanding performances. I mean, you've highlighted uh, uh, Wahabri has taking three for 62. No one was particularly inexpensive, I might point out, but I guess that'll happen when you when you concede 334 runs. But, um, sure. you know, uh, Wahabri has was good enough to take the wickets. Uh, Muhammad Amir, obviously, two for 67. But I think also, again, we look back at the batting because that's where, the, where I think they've been most ineffectual um, uh, of late. And uh, some critical innings, um, particularly from Muhammad Afiz. Uh, he, I thought he really set the tone. And the skipper, with, man, uh, Safraz Ahmed is just such a bloody nuggety, yeah. 
scratchy fighter. You know, he well, gets in a, there and he fights it out every time. Just a great, um, a, 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 you know, a, a great innings there from uh, from Safra, Safra's Ahmed. Some really wonderful hitting. Um, the England bowling I felt was a bit, a bit, uh, a bit la- uh, lackluster. Um, I mean, they had a good return from um, uh, from Mark Wood um, with uh, two fifty three. Was fairly economical. Same with um, Moeen, mate, with three for fifty. Mo- um, Moeen Ali three for fifty. We can can hold his set up high, but. Um, uh, Chris Wokes had a bit of a stinker. I mean, I know he took three wickets there at, um, at, at the back end of the innings, but um, it went for a lot of runs. And uh, the much-vaunted uh, Joffre Archer probably had a day at the office he'd rather forget um, with none, none for, for 79. 79. Yeah, four wides so, there too, Chris, you know. And, uh, you know, we, and we talked about um, Adul Rashid as well being, the, being the, uh, the second spinner. And it's something that you and I talked a bit about pre-tournament. We thought that the second spinner was going to be the critical element to all the bowling attacks. Um, but it really hasn't been the case. It's it's been interesting. I think, uh, particularly when I I think I mentioned to you when I was watching the, when we, we might hear about this from Mark uh, and and Roscoe later on. But um, the pitch in the New Zealand uh, New Zealand Sri Lanka game, and then the Australian uh, Afghanistan game, those pitches were incredibly green. Mm. Um, you couldn't tell the difference between the pitch and the outfield. You couldn't tell the pitch between the difference between the pitch and the outfield and I, I think what's really what was really interesting is that they've used those I'm pretty sure they've used those same pitches again and so they've flattened out in the second game which yeah, is yeah, yeah. I think another contributing factor as to why you've seen um, some real differences in the batting performances between games one and two for all teams um, it, it's been really interesting and um, it must be a massive challenge to be able to prepare you know seven or eight grounds for effectively day in day out cricket of you know for 30 or 40 days yeah um i don't envy the groundskeepers there and me either chris and it's you know you and i never would have said or anyone would have said in a million years that what would be effective at a world cup in england is short pitch bowling but that's that's really been the case um Mm. let's just finish off tk's bulletin over here so who is a worry bairstow opening the batting has yet to look comfortable out for a golden duck and a busy though uninspiring 32. Moeen Ali's batting is shakier than a dodgy earthquake metaphor, though his 3 for 50 today more than justifies sticking with him. Joffa Archer was deadly against South Africa, yet was expensive and lacked control against Pakistan. And Butler looked in insanely good touch today, but faltered in game one. Suddenly, this feels like an England side held together with Gossamer, world-leading performers and yet never quite settled. Ultimately, I hope that this turns out to be a chastening experience for England that leads them to upping their game even more. They face Bangladesh next, and even though the Tigers caused the other upset of the tournament so far in beating South Africa, I am confident that England will get back to winning ways and push on towards the semis. Push on towards the semis there. Thank you, TK Hawkey. Wonderful to hear your voice, mate. Um, and great bit of analysis there. I think he's he's got his finger right on the pulse. B-Train, mm. um, do you think that Pakistan, sorry, Bangladesh, uh, my apologies, do you think that Bangladesh could upset England in the next game? Well, before the start of the tournament, you would have penciled that in for uh, the three Lions, but um, I tell you what, um, that was a different Bangladeshi side we saw against South Africa the other night. Wasn't um, it just? It was um, something to behold. And we've seen glimpses from Bangladesh over the years. I mean, they've certainly, infamously, they beat Australia in England. Um, yes. In, in a game which uh, 
um, lives on in infamy. But um, we've seen glim- glimpses from them over the years, but that was, that was, I think, arguably their best result, uh, at least that I can recall, um, in uh, international uh, uh, cricket, certainly in the short form of the game. Um, I yeah, mean, me just, too, just spectacular. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the answer is, I think, wait and see. I mean, um, it, it, will it be a flash in the pan? I don't know. But I, I, I hope not. I, I at least hope that they're highly competitive. And for different reasons than what I've hoped in the past. I, I think that's, I, I'm really hoping they can sustain this high level of performance. Uh, yeah, mate, me too. It, it's great for cricket is what it is. And look, England are currently sitting fourth on the table. Um, and, at the, you know, they're still in a good position to go through to the next round, absolutely. Um, but they, they can't afford too many more stumbles. Um, you, you, nobody can in this sort of tournament. But seeing the way that they played against South Africa and then seeing the way that they played against Pakistan, it, there was just such a big gap there. Um, between those two same sides. So it, it leaves a lot of questions, Chris, and it, and it leaves the door wide open, I guess, for, for other teams mm. to, to capitalise on that. Um, and, and maybe, you know, they're just trying to shake that favourites tag. But, yeah, it really does throw the game wide open. Should we hear a bit from um, Chris, the good man, Goodrick? I feel like he's going to have a lot of stuff to say, hear the opposite side from the perspective from that first game. Let's let's get it going here. Let's hear from Chris, the good man, Goodrick, um, and see what he's got to say about this sucker. <laughs> My word, mate. Haven't we seen it all? Um, I'm not going to lie. I was actually really, really stoked to see um, England lose and um, Pakistan win that game because it's just making me feel a little bit better about South Africa because it's been a bit of a emotional roller coaster, mate. It has been tough. Um, so I thought I'd just... Uh, I was having a cheeky sort of look at the table and my goodness me, it, it makes for very, very um, sad South African eyes. Um, currently sitting on... Number eighth position on the table, two games, two losses. Hmm. <laughs> and we've got India next. Hoo, hoo, hoo. So things are, hmm, yeah, things are going. Things are not looking good. You know, for a team that doesn't do too well under pressure, we um, stacking up the pressure against us. Um, so yeah, it's not not looking good at this stage. But look. It's not over till the fat lady sings, and she definitely hasn't sung yet. So, let's look at these two games. England, um, I think, you know, we just really didn't bowl well. Um, and Giddy was quite poor, and so was Petla Choir. Um, eight wides compared to England's one. Hold just, up. You know, just... Eight wides. Eight. That is, that is punchy. That's too many wides. Um, that's just too many wides. In a in a in a fifty over match, eight wides is I, I can't do the math on that, but it feels like a lot. It's a it's a high percentage. Um, you're not gonna have much chance from there. I didn't realize that was the case. Poor Chris Goodrick. He doesn't sound good, but he sounds he sounds pretty sad to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and look, they um they didn't follow it up with a great performance against Bangladesh either. Finished the game with twenty one extras. Um, and really, you've got to say that kind of made the difference between the two sides, I would have thought. 
uh, with um, uh, uh, the Dashies only conceding uh, 14 extras. So maybe not quite the difference between the sides, mind you, but um, at the end of the day, those were, um, uh, you know, seven extra deliveries that the uh, South Africans had the ball. So, and mate, you know, for... <laughs> Considering Chris Goodrick was telling us not only just last step how Kagiso could go on to be player of the tournament, um, maybe even player of the generation from 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 how he was feeling about it, the good man. Ah, uh, that might be a bit of an extension at that point. Uh, look, I wouldn't write Kagiso Rapata off just yet. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, um, yeah, certainly point, he point. and uh, Ngidi have had some. Uh, uh, certainly had a challenging start to the tournament. Um, South Africa just really haven't got it right. I mean, they almost peaked a little bit early with uh, Imran Tahir taking an early wicket um, against England. I mean, we're, we're, I, I know I was off the couch thinking what uh, what a piece of genius that was from Faf Duplessis. Um, maybe went on over too long, and, and I'm not saying that that was the cause of the downfall, but um, interesting that they chose not to open with their with their pace attack. It's, it, and haven't gone... And in that game, didn't go to Rabada as early as you would have thought. Um, given you know the the strike weapon that he is, mm. strange. Let's hear some more from the good man. It's not good enough on a, a World Cup. You know you got to you got to be um, you got to be firing all cylinders. Um, I thought Tahir bowled really really well, and I I loved it when um, he bowled that first over. I thought you know this is no one was expecting this sort of stuff. You know I was just sitting there and he uh, got that got Bairstow out, and I thought this is this is magnificent. Um, but I think we just made some really stupid mistakes. Um, you know, De Kock got a start, Van uh, Dussen got a start. Um, but yeah, I mean, just players making starts. You know, everyone contributed. At, um, well, not everyone, but a lot of the, uh, the most of the top order contributed in the England lineup, and we didn't. So that was a bit disappointing from us. Um, I really would have liked to see Miller playing. I think he would have added some value instead of JP Dumini. Um, and I think, you know, we, we could have maybe done a bit better in that game. But it was always going to be tough against England. The big surprise, surprise came with Bangladesh. And that's when I was really um, disappointed um, again with our bowling. You know, we've got one of the best bowling lineups in the world, you know. And again, Giddy and Petlaquire, Rabada didn't really add, add much value. But um, again, Tahir was, was quite impressed with. Um, there were some really stupid mistakes. If you watch that the cock run out, my goodness me. It, he was on 33, playing well, shouldn't have run, you know. And that, and again, Duplessis made a start. Um, Hold up. Him. Mate, did you see that the cock run out? Did you observe that with your eyeballs? Uh, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't was it? ideal. It's one of the worst. <laughs> it's one of the worst runouts I've ever seen. You know what? I, in my in my games for the Summerhill uh, sixth grade um, B team, uh, we have seen some shocking runouts, buddo. And it was it was of that ilk. Um, it was a classic yes no sorry. Um, <laughs> and and oh boy, I mean. It's amazing how such a great side like South Africa with such quality players just cracks under pressure. They get in these big tournaments, but on what happens to them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the um, pressure, isn't it? That's that's the word we use. And I think particularly when a when a when you're expected to win a game so easily, 
um, uh, against an up-and-coming side like Bangladesh and things aren't going your way, it can often magnify the situation. Um, and uh, clearly they've, uh, yeah, I mean, executed a skill error, really, haven't they? Uh, and uh, perhaps they've just got in their own heads there. And, mate, like, we've got it. We, while we're here, can we just say how amazing Bangladesh's group of fast bowlers is? Turns out mm. that Bangladesh have a bunch of great quicks. Like, uh, Mustafa Rahman got three for 67 off 10 overs against South Africa. He bowled two wides. You know, <laughs> like... Um, Straight up, yep. Yeah. Mehdi Hassan got a wicket. He got one for 44 off 10. He was going for 4.4 and over. That's like... That wouldn't be bad numbers in test cricket. I mean, they really, they really turned it out. Like, Bangladesh's bowling was excellent. As much as, you know, there was some poor skill errors from South Africa and, um, you know, they and you make some good points, Chris, about you know, team selection and, and the rest, the Bangladesh played out of their bloody skins. And I think that we need to credit that. Yeah, for sure. Look, for me, um, what was really special was their batting. Um, I mean, bo- both aspects of the game, all aspects of the game went, went to plan for Bangladesh, clearly. But uh, for me, it was their batting that was really special. Uh, Saka, uh, at the top of the order, really uh, set the tone, I thought, with uh, a quick fire, 42 off 30. And then in the, in the uh, middle order, uh, uh, Al-Hassan, who, ooh, you know, he looks a player. He's and, a gun, uh, mate. Shakib Al-Hassan is, is a very talented man. Very talented and, and, you know, ably supported by the wicketkeeper Raheem, 78 off, off 80. I mean, these are not, you know, necessarily household names that we would have heard of before the tournament. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll know a bit more about them uh, later on. Listeners to the pod might be more familiar with Al-Hassan, um, given that he's played in the... In the BBL. A big bash for... Uh, in the for the Adelaide Strikers, so they might be more familiar with him. Funny enough, he's got uh, you know fifty five tests to his to his name already, an average of thirty nine, and his one day average is not too shabby either, thirty five, um, almost thirty six, with a highest score of one hundred and thirty four not out, and almost two hundred matches. So as much as we're talking about Bangladesh being you know minnows of world cricket and developing nation, all these sorts of things, they've been around a while now. Yeah, I'm not sure we can call them minnows for much longer, but like they are. They, they, well, they're, they're giant killers, mate. And they've been doing that for a little while, you know, like... Yeah, well, they've got some players, haven't they? They've so, got some players. I mean, I mean and, clearly. And the other performance that I thought was noteworthy was Mamadoula. Yeah, 46 off 33, three fours and a six, um, striking him at 139. He was he was hitting out. And he's he's played a bit of BBL too, I think. Um, and he's a, he's a very quality player himself. And if you think about Shakib Al-Hassan... Mustafa Rahim, um, oh, I've said that name terribly wrong, classic fashion. Um, and then those quicks, you know, you're starting to get at the backbones of a pretty solid side. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you are, you absolutely, absolutely are. And uh, Mamadoula is, uh, uh, you know, again, he's he's uh, early thirties, um, forty-five tests, one hundred and seventy-six one days, um, averages with a bat in the, in the mid-thirties in both formats of the game. And uh, he's reasonably ha- handy with the ball too, by the by. I mean, not not brilliant. Sure, sure, sure. Um, averaging of you know in the mid forties, but not terrible. So he can roll his arm over. So they have got some handy cricketers um, uh, there for sure. Um, and so I think, as you say, Pat, we're really starting to see the makings of a um, of a pretty solid backbone. And and you know sometimes I think. Um, the best thing that you can do in, in, in these situations is have your opposition convinced of your of your 
inferiority, if you like. Mm. Um, and the element of surprise, I, th- I think, can be really handy. Um, you know, you look at you look at the other uh, uh, great performer of that game again, Raheem. And again, this is a guy that we're talking about with 66 Test matches to his name, 206 one days, um, and a higher score of uh, 144. Uh, just casually, by the way, a highest Test score of 219, and again averages in the mid 30s in both formats of the game. Um, so these aren't mugs with with the bat. I mean, mid 30s in in a 50 over cricket is uh, is fairly reasonable. Absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're really, that's, it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Let's hear a bit more from Chris Goodrick. Got out stupidly, charged down the wicket, you know. Uh, Markram as well, got a start at 45. Um, so, yeah, disappointing, eh? Really disappointing. Um, yeah, but, you know, hats off to, to Bangladesh. I think they, they, they obviously deserved it. A great partnership of 142. So where to next, Patrick? My goodness me. Um, it's been emotional, mate. It's been sleepless nights. It's been lots of curries. It's been shitting myself. Oh, my goodness, mate. And here we go. India is next. And I did watch um, India versus South Africa this four years ago in the great MCJ, mate. And bloody hell, it was like an Indian home game. So I think no matter where the Indians play... They're gonna. It's gonna feel like a home game. So you know, two two nil down South Africa going to play India. It's gonna be tough, mate. It's gonna be really tough. But I think, you know, we we we've still got a chance in this World Cup. We just we we can't lose faith. The boys are gonna be fired up and they're gonna be raring to go. So come on, Proteas, pull it together. We'll see you later. Yeah, he doesn't sound overly hopeful, there, does he, our dear Chris Goodrick? He doesn't sound like he's. Are um are India in this World Cup, Pat? Uh, yeah, I, I believe they are, Chris. Although um, oh. you wouldn't know it from from the game so far because they are yet they, to play. They haven't done an awful lot of playing. Um, uh, great tactic. I mean, you can't <laughs> lose if you don't play. You can't lose if you don't play. It's it's the Stephen Bradbury approach. I mean, not you know. I'm going to let you guys just duke it out at the front. You just knock each other around, da da da, and you know what? You know you know what they've also missed out on. What? These green bloody wickets, mate. These oh, green yeah. monsters. Um, they're just coming in just when the uh, the the, uh, the dust is start, starting to settle. The the pitches are starting to flatten out, and uh, Virat can uh, uh, stretch his uh, stretch his arms and flay that willow around. Um, look, I mean. Oh, gee, you don't envy them, do you? It's a, it's, it's no, a mammoth task. No, you really don't. Of course. The weight of history is against them, um, against South Africa. Uh, India, uh, as Chris says, you know, well supported wherever they go. So it'll be a home game and they, they'll be fresh. Um, and they will have had, the other thing is that um, they will have had time to analyze the opposition, obviously, with. Uh, with two matches on the board and, and, and 12 hours of videotape to look at. So um, plenty, plenty uh, of things stacking things up in, in India's favor. The one thing that might work for South Africa is that they're, they're obviously, you'd hope by now, would have the cobwebs out um, and, and India have been on ice for a little while. So if they can catch them early, um, that that would be the, uh, the time to do it. Um, if it was me, uh, I would I would probably uh, look to bat for. Would you look to bat first? I mean, you know, India love to chase. I I, I would I would 
I'd send India in, I think, is actually what I would do. If if given the chance, I'd send India in. Um, I'd give her a bar of the ball and go, right, oh, mate, let's go. It's your time and uh, and back them in. Because, um, yeah, it's you really just want to be nice and aggressive. I think that's the only way South Africa can approach it. Yeah, and look, mate, what a really punchy time for him. I mean, just to make matters worse, Dale Stain is out for the tournament. He's just been taken out with mm. an injury today. So, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty rough time and you can hear that in Chris Goodrick's voice it sounds like he's had a really rough week of trying to watch cricket um, but look credit to Bangladesh um, credit to Bangladesh I don't, I don't know what else to say and South Africa I mean they could still pull it out from here Chris but it's going to take them it's going to take a lot and uh, to be honest I don't like their chances versus India yeah well I mean I guess um, I mean they don't have a huge amount of uh, historical form to draw upon but I mean in, in, in 99 um, Australia had a very slow start to the World Cup I think from memory losing to New Zealand and um, Pakistan before getting the getting things back on the road against Scotland I mean the, the difference is that South Africa doesn't have the luxury of playing a Scotland to get their get to, get no, their gear they together no so, quite the opposite um, interesting times um, look again we just wait with bated breath to see what happens because uh, it could be anything all right, well, um, let's move on to our final clip for the day. Um, we're going to hear from Michael, uh, the big, the stock wood, um, with a call from a Kiwi. Let's crack into it. Kia ora. Well, we've made it to another Cricket World Cup. Can't believe it. Um, I just want to quickly cast your minds back to the semi-final four years ago, New Zealand versus South Africa. It was an absolute highlight of my life, watching Grant Elliott hit a six off the second-to-last ball to take us through. Um, against Daryl Stain, you know, the, the premier fast bowler anywhere at the time. The Black Caps have broken my heart on many occasions and that goes down in history as one of the greatest sporting moments. We were so nervous. And, you know, McCullum famously was um, those final, and that final over was uh, uh, in the team toilet smoking with two uh, Indian caterers. Um, and he... You know, just to get away from the smoke detectors, and um, he was just working his way through a packet of cigarettes. So, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, apparently, Brendan McCullum was just punching a few darts with a few Indian caterers in the last one. Right, right, right. Oh well, um, it's a very shame-worn thing to do. That don't you think? Well, I think that's something you said for cricket players and their relationship with nicotine. I really do. It bubbles beneath the surface, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I feel like in comparison to other professional sports and athletes, the ratio of cricketers who smoke versus cricketers who don't, I'm not saying it's a high proportion. I'm just saying it's higher than other sports. I mean, and that's all anecdotal. That's all anecdotal. (laughs) I'm just saying you don't don't hear, for example... um, uh, you know the Mobot um, I'm trying to think of his name now you don't hear of like Ronaldo coming off at the 88th well, minute well yeah you don't, you don't hear dart. of Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo smoking darts do you you don't hear of uh, really Tiger. anyone no I was going to say Tiger Woods but uh, he's probably had a few well yeah, um, yeah, yeah he got pretty nefarious for a while there Tiger um, he did yeah but uh, you know probably not LeBron I don't think LeBron comes no. off and like punches a dart <laughs> and has a couple of darts. Um, 
um, spends a million dollars a year on recovery. Did you know that? Get out of here, really? Yeah, apparently. Spends a million dollars. I guess when you're pulling $120 million base salary over six years, like you're probably okay. Not including endorsements, but uh, maybe Brendan McCollum's not pulling that kind of money and needs to find other ways to let off steam. I don't know. <laughs> I might have judged. But interesting story. I think clearly, and that's one of the interesting things I love about these um, global uh, explorations that we have each week is because I learned something. You know, you, you learn about a different side of the apple, don't you? I mean... I mean, I'm learning about a different side of the apple, Chris. You know, How many sides are there? Let's find more. That's what I'm about. Yeah, well, I think there's only one side because it's a sphere. But <laughs> <laughs> so much science in this episode. But I think you know what you know what I'm saying. I, I, know I think what you're you, saying. you know you get to explore another part of the cricketing world and look at it from another perspective. And just stories like that, I think, are wonderful. So good, good contribution from the stuck early on. Good That's work good. from the stuck. All right, let's get some more from him. Hopefully, uh, we can take some of that momentum, even though it was four years ago, through to this World Cup. Uh, I mean, it's still the reason I wake up with a smile on my face every day. Uh, right, so yes, this year, we've got a pretty solid, to- solid team. We, we go and rank fourth. Uh, we are not great away from home, but I think we're a solid middle-tier team. And it's pretty universally accepted that the top three teams are, you know, England, Australia, India... Um, so whether they end up there at the end of this round robin format, probably likely in what order, who knows just yet, but the, yeah, it'll be the competing for that fourth spot, I think will be of, uh, great interest. Um, we obviously thrashed Sri Lanka the other night, 10 wicket win, which was very exciting, uh, although they're not a great team. So, you know. Guptill and Munro both made got 50s, but they were there was some luck involved. Munro was a bit shit. Um, finally getting a 50 after 18 one day. I was not sure why, why they keep picking him. Obviously um, Henry Nichols is, was injured, but hopefully he'll be he'll be back. Um, I don't know why they keep picking Munro. Anyway, um, I think the rest of the team's pretty solid. Bowling at the death. We're not great either. I think if, uh, especially against teams like England, uh, you know, they're bat so deep and if we're not going to bowl them out in a game, then come the 40th, 42nd over, they could absolutely take the game away from us. So um, I'll be I'll be watching for that and just hope that we can hold our nerve. Not sure who's going to be there, whether it will be uh, Henry or Southie. Southie's not as good as he was four years ago. And um, Henry had a bit of a shocker against the West Indies in the warm-up game going for over 100. Um, will depend on uh, what pitch. Depends on who plays, I would imagine, with uh, those two players. Ross Taylor, I think, is going to be... He is Hold a big up. part of our uh, team. Interesting point there, um, both mm. about Munro and about um, Henry Nichols. Um, you know, sorry, uh, Henry the, the Quick. Uh, the, the implication from Mr Wood being that, you know, the... the the New Zealanders may not be as powerful on the fast mm-hmm. bowling front as as we believe them to be, Chris. Um, mm. How does that resonate in your heart? Well, I mean, interesting because I, 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 oh, I you know, I think there's still plenty to be said for uh, for the likes of Henry. Uh, I think he was on a hat trick at one point in that game uh, against Sri Lanka. Um, I believe so, yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you saw the hat trick ball, Pat, um, but it was. <laughs> It was a rare highlight for Sri Lanka. <laughs> so he's taken two good wickets and then uh, bowled a half volley and then been hit for the most beautiful straight drive I've ever seen. <laughs> straight out of the top drawer. Eh? Straight out of the top drawer. 
Straight out of the top drawer. Take um, it, put it in the pool room, keep it there, take it off the shelf, look at it once a year, just admire yeah, it from it, a distance. If you looked at that shot in isolation and said, who won the game? You'd say, oh, Sri Lanka. But um, the thing is, there's 300 balls in an That's innings. the big thing. That's the big um, thing. Yeah, not one. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting that perspective. Um, certainly, um, you know, Bolt uh, is a man that, uh, for me, still commands respect. Um, DeGon Hall is like, bad. For his sledging of, of Matt Henry there, not being too all around him, he took three for 29 and was going for four and over against that game against Sri Lanka. I mean, as Wood said, you know, the stuck. Um, yeah, they're not exactly a great side currently, Sri Lanka, and they're really falling apart at the seams as we speak. Um, they're, they're currently playing Afghanistan, and they are eight for 182. So, you know, mm. things aren't, aren't looking great on that front. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they were very easily dealt with them. The Kiwis, yeah. I don't know. And look, to be fair to Matty Henry, too, I mean, his um, his career figures in short in the short form of the game aren't bad. I mean... Um, 44 games so far, best bowling, 5 for 30, average of 25 and a half. Um, slightly expensive at 5 and a half and over, but, um, you know, nothing to be uh, too ashamed of there at all. I tell you, I, and I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Stuck um, touches on it uh, later on, but um, have you ever seen Mitchell Santner bowl? Not, not to my memory, B-Train. Not not a huge amount. Um, no, not a huge so amount. So Mitchell Santner is a, uh, a bowling all-rounder. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable action to watch. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's almost um, constipated. Is, you know, I was just like waiting for him to push it out. I don't, just... It was hypnotic. It was it was um, it was hypnotic to what I just couldn't look away. Um, It was uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I just I'm just not (laughs) even sure how he's effective. I mean, clearly, clearly he is. Clearly, clearly, clearly he is. Uh, You know, um, again, just look at his his career figures. It's not too bad. Best bowling five for fifty. You know, average of thirty four. Economy rate very respectable at four point eight. so there's a bit to like, clearly, about uh, Mitchell Santner, but um, just not his action. Just, I just, I just want to watch him bowl again because it, it's weird. It's just weird. <laughs> I just, it was uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I hear can't. You, I hear, you know, I like um, it, it's like that. Old, it's like that Kramer pose. It's like this is loathsome and offensive, but I can't look away. I just <laughs> was um, weird. It was weird. Anyway, that was just the point I wanted to make. Let's hear some more. From I don't that. like it. You know, I respect you, but I respect you as a cricketer. But I, I just, I, it, was, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard watching him bowl. Um, he's got his 400th game coming up tomorrow, I think. So uh, in all formats, and he's this is Ross uh, averaging about, I think he's averaging 69 uh, since the last World Cup. So um, definitely a, a solid player to have in our middle order there. Which and obviously coming in after Williamson, who's um, who's one of my favourite players, but he. Uh, has he got the X factor perhaps that McCullum had? And so I'm not sure whether we will make it beyond the semis. I think the semis is where my heart probably lies at the moment. I think if we don't make the semis, I will be heartbroken. But deep down, my heart of hearts, I just don't know that we're going to make the final. So I feel like if we can make the, the semis, we'll be pretty, I'll be pretty stoked, I think. Yeah, if we make the semis, I'll probably get a semi. I think that probably sums it up pretty well. In terms of winning the whole thing, uh, 
I, I really don't want Australia to win. That would be so annoying. I would, yeah. I know this is an Australian cricketing podcast, but I would be so annoyed if Australia went to, to wake up after the final the next day and see <laughs> bloody Dum Dum Warner on the front page. What was he? Father of the bloody year or something standing next to the World Cup. Oh, that, that would be annoying. Um, I don't really want, I mean, England winning at home. I don't know if I want that either. Um, does that mean I'm going for India? I don't know. I guess it depends on what team turns up on the day with India. Um, but that's kind of how I see it playing out at, at, at this point. We'll certainly be backing the, the Black Caps t- um, the whole way through, though. Who knows what, what they might have up their sleeve. Anything's Lovely possible with cricket, isn't it? From uh, Michael really? Stickwood, and and thank you, Mike, for being a part of the Two for None family. Bloody great to have you on the show. Look, and I've just been watching some highlights of Mitchell Santner um, while I was listening to Stick there, and I might have been a bit harsh. Um, the constipator was a bit bit, bit rough. I apologise for that. Um, <laughs> You're backtracking, buddy. You're backtracking. I am big time. Uh, he's a quality player. Um, it's just something about his action that I just love. I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued by it. But can clearly, you please post those highlights on the Two for None Facebook page and then the people can go and judge for themselves. He's they? effective, yeah. But interesting assessment, I thought, from Stick there because um, I, I I don't know. I disagree. I think New Zealand uh, um, are even with a bit more of a show than than, than what he's uh, hoping Giving for. Giving him credit for, yeah. Giving him credit for. I think, um, you know, I think, look, obviously Sri Lanka are having a bit of a tough time of it, but... But at the end of the day, they won the game by uh, comfortably by ten wickets, um, and uh, you can't ask for much more than much more than that. I think totally. Maddie, Maddie Henry, Trent Bolt, um, decent bowlers. De Holmes a decent bowler. Um, you know, Sam McCleary, Ross Taylor's a good bat. bat. Kane Williamson's a good bat. Yeah, Martin Guptill, Kane Munro, Kane Williamson, Ross the Taylor, Tom Latham. These guys are all guys that can do some damage. You wonder about maybe their depth a little bit, but um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be feeling too bad. I think I agree with him there. I think I think um, the race for fourth is uh, really interesting because you've probably probably got India and Australia penciled in. You would have had England penciled in before the start of the tournament, but they just got pumped by Pakistan. Um, and um, you know that, that that fourth spot. Who's that? Is that South Africa? Is that New Zealand? Is it the West Indies? Not yeah. quite sure. There's a lot to lot to think about. Totally. I also love his representation of David Warner as being father of the year. <laughs> and how upset he'd be to see both England and or Australia win. You can guarantee that um, if Australia do win this World Cup, I'm going to put a bulletin, a call from Michael on the podcast. Yeah. You can bet your bottom dollar. That's, that's 100% going to go down. Oh, dear. Speaking of Australia, Chris, um, let's just mm. really quick just talk about the, the nice victory that we had over Afghanistan and look ahead to this game against the Windies. Um, I mean, firstly, the game against Afghanistan went about as well as we could have asked it to go. Um, you know, Afghanistan put up a pretty good fight too. Um, they they looked pretty solid. Ramat Shah uh, got 43 off 60. He, he looked pretty solid. Um, Sadran down the bottom of the order got a 51 of 49. 
he looked pretty good too, but um, a great bowling performance from us. Paddy Cummins, 3 for 40. Um, Stoin got 2 for 37, and it was that man Zampa, which was the real difference, uh, with 3 for 60. So a, a good bowling performance and, and a confident batting display uh, with an 89 not out from David Warner, a good partnership with Aaron Finch. I thought for a while there that they might just get across the line, just the two of them, um, but a few extra contributions from Kawaja, Smith, and Maxwell really did the job for us, Bardo. Um, how did you feel about that first performance from our side? Yeah, well, look, another game there where the pitch was almost ind- indistinguishable from the uh, from the outfield, wasn't it? It was quite a green deck again. Um, I think, look, it was just a, uh, a professional performance, nothing really spectacular about it. If anything, I was quite quite pleased with components of uh, Afghanistan's play. Um, I mean, we talked about Bangladesh earlier, but Afghanistan, you know, really um, uh, are a developing nation. Um, they were probably the 10th team of 10 picked to, to, to play at this tournament. Um, but I think that they were very reasonable um, in, in their performances. Um, I mean, Ramit Shah with 43 off 60 was was respectable. Um, I thought Rashid Khan um, had some wonderful uh, lusty blows in the, in the lower the order there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was no, certainly no shame in their performance whatsoever. Um, in terms of Australia's bowling, um, as, as I said before, I think it was just a professional performance. I think one thing that was really exciting was the... Uh, uh, the wicket that Mitchell Stark got, the uh, the Yorker against yeah. uh, Mohammed Shazad, yeah. um, that just kind of got a few uh, hairs on the back of the neck standing. I went, ooh, ooh, because you know, I mean, I'm prepared to, I'm prepared to admit, I, I've, um, I, I haven't been as publicly supportive of Mitchell Stark as maybe I could have been. Um, I, you know, um, in, in, I mean, considering I know nothing about cricket really, um, <laughs> so please don't take my opinion seriously. Um, you know. But um, uh, the that was a, I mean that was a great moment I thought that that, that was a great moment um, obviously Cummins was uh, uh, you know again very professional interesting that they, they that they took to Zampa a little bit I think that was probably also the surprise of the game I mean, we 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 we've seen just in about every lead up game Zampa and Lyon going yeah. as, as the one two as the one two punch um, and not using this game and maybe that was something to do with the deck. Um, Given but, that it was a you know, Zamp- green monster, mate, absolutely. And it was at- a it was a green monster, and I think um, look, um, Zampa, look, he did he was expensive, but at the end of the day, took three wickets um, and, and got the job done. So um, it would have been nice, I think, to um, to at least have a nine wicket nine wicket win. I think if uh, Uzi and uh, and Steve Smith had their time again, they would. Oh, when any batsman batsman doesn't want to get out, do they? But um, that that was probably the only thing we kind of thought, well. Well, do yeah. we need to lose those? But um, having said that, I mean, you know, a seven-wicket win really without breaking a sweat. Um, we'll take it. You can't. You, you bank the you bank the points and you move on, don't you? So, um, absolutely. And B train, you're absolutely right about Mitchell Stark. I mean, if Starkey is swinging that ball back in at 150 clicks. He is such a different customer. Um, he is he is truly devastating. And and yeah, look, NCN getting in the side there was was a good thing. Um, he he bowled pretty all right. But but Chris, uh, we're running out of time, so I really want to quickly um, have a chat about this game coming in, up against the Windies. The West Indies scored a huge victory. Um, massive victory over Pakistan. They won by seven wickets and they were absolutely dominant. They got that win in 13 overs. They really looked like they were playing a different side and, and Pakistan in that game were nowhere to be seen. They got 
torn apart by the um, West Indies bowling attack. Um, Oshan Thomas got four for 27 off five overs. Just completely ripped the guts out of him. Um, so again, we're dealing, Chris, here with another extremely mercurial side. Uh, Chris Gale, the universe boss, with 50 or 34 there to guide the West Indies home for the 3 for 108 for a nice big seven-wicket win um, against, against Pakistan in, that, in, that, in their mm. first game. But which side is going to turn up? Who are we going to be playing against when we, we, we take the field on the 6th of June at Trent Bridge? Um, and... Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that we win, Bardo? No, I don't think that, Pat. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't think that at all. Um, I think, I mean, the exciting thing for me is uh, the return of a, a West Indies pace attack that is, has a little bit to be feared. Um, I mean, Shane Thomas, um, four for 27 against uh, Pakistan. Um, you know, I mean, raw, fast, 22 years of age, um, I don't really know a lot about him, to be honest. Ten matches, uh, ten matches, um, yeah, at an average of uh, twenty-three. Uh, so clearly, he's had a hot start, um, and so he's, he's uh, you know, probably got no fear um, about him. And I'm excited to watch him bowl, to be honest. Um, and then I think one guy that we really have to show a lot of respect to of late is uh, Jason Holler. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I mean. Yep. I mean they that test victory they had against England recently was really on on his back I think in many regards and um, uh, you know he's so he's one that I think we have to really offer some respect for and then of course um, Dre Russ Andre Russell who's uh, a yeah. massive star um, in the shorter forms of the game I mean I mean in in the IPL he is one of the top two international rock stars I think of of, of that format so. There's a lot to sneaky like about this West Indies side. Mm. Let me tell you. Um, I mean, they they knocked over the uh, they knocked over the target of 106 pretty pretty quickly. Really uh, easily, Chris. Yeah, really pretty easily. Easy. Only losing three poles. Um, similar, much much similar to Australia. Um, I think just uh, getting the job done. Maybe Can I throw some data at you, Chris. Yeah, um, please do. So the data is that. There is one bowler in the Australian side who has dismissed um, Chris Gale more than anybody else. Who do you think it is? I'm going to say Mitchell Stark. You're very close. It's the Dwarf. Really? Mm, the Dwarf, yeah. In his maiden IPL stint with the Mumbai Indians, um, made it three from three when he removed Gale in a high-scoring matches at Wadkindi Stadium. He's, um, yeah, he's dismissed him a number of times. Okay. So there you go. Here's, here's some numbers for you. Against right arm quick, scale average is nearly 40. That figure drops to 23 against left armers. Right. So he can also score significantly slower against left arm pace in ODIs. His strike rate sits at 107 to right handers and 76 against lefties. So I think. Uh, at least having Mitchell Stark in the side of not bowling the dwarf out there as well instead of NCN could mm. be a shout um, to keep to keep the world boss in check. Interesting, interesting uh, uh, stats there, Pat. Good research. Good Thank research. You, I like it. I like it. I, um, thought, I thought that'd get you where it where it helps. Just right in your heart, Chris. Right in the right in the heart zone. Right in the heart zone. Well, you know. Um, I think it'll be interesting to look at what what's the what's the deck doing and what can we see. 
Um, you, gee, Nathan Lyon would be stiff to move to, to, to miss out two games in a row. Um, but wrong. at the end of the day, you got to pick horses for courses, don't you? So, um, are you changing anything is, in the batting lineup, Chris? Are you happy with that batting lineup that, that went out against Afghanistan? Uh, I think so. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I love Sean Marsh, though I do. Um, I don't see why you would fiddle with that too much. Uh, you know, with with both Warner and Finch making runs. Um, Uzi, he's in good touch. Uh, yeah, he's in his preferred position at number three in good touch. Uh, you know, Steve Smith making runs. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't see why you'd need to move that around too much in terms of that top seven. Um, Can we quickly just say how great Alex Carey's mm. keeping was too? Just really quick. Mm. He got a really solid stumping and he took a couple of catches behind the stumps too. He looks great. Yeah, looks great brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, look, hopefully he just stays fit. Because I don't hopefully. know who takes the, I don't know who takes the stumps if he's not. Fingers and toes. But I'm cautiously optimistic, but I would not be surprised if there's an upset. That's what I'm going to leave this episode on. Cautiously optimistic, but I wouldn't be afraid if there's an upset. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think I, so far, I think it's been a very intriguing World Cup, and uh, I think that'll continue for sure. I think so as well, mate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do us at here at Two for None. We are out of here. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. If you haven't already, make sure you like, rate, and review the podcast in the iTunes store or wherever you are listening to it. Share it around. Show your mates. We'd love it to get out there into the universe. Um, that brings us to the end of the pod. B-Train, any final thoughts before we sign off? No, mate, I'm excited. I'm excited. Look, I need some more caffeine. Um, it's, it's really all I'm living on for the moment. I think it's... Uh, my, my blood is uh, just uh, latte at this point. <laughs> well, I hope you get a transfusion soon. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you soon. And cut those horses!